Welcome and thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Vala Akshar, Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send us your questions live using hashtag Disrupt TV and Ray, myself and our distinguished guests will do our best to answer you live and certainly after the show. It's my privilege to introduce my co-host. He's the CEO, founder of Constellation Research, best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, ZDNet, and many publications. Recently, I see him on CNBC and Fox Business. And he's, in my humble opinion, one of the great futurists to follow on Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome, Ray Wong, to Disrupt TV. Hey, happy Friday. Awesome to see you, Vala, one of the top followers. Uh, top CIO follower, top CMO follower, author himself, and of course, uh, one of the most exciting uh, co-hosts to be with and, and co-founders to be with on um, this Disrupt TV enterprise. We are on episode number 145. Who leads the top of the board? We're going to be talking to this morning. I got to tell you, it's an unbelievable privilege for, for us to have one of the best top thought leaders in the world joining us as our first guest. Brian Solis is principal analyst at Altimeter the digital analyst group at Profit. Brian is an award-winning author, prominent blogger, writer, world-renowned keynote speaker. He's one of the world's leading digital anthropologists and futurists who has been called one of the greatest digital analysts of our time. Brian's also a world-renowned keynote speaker, award-winning author of seven best-selling books, including X, The Experience, When Business Meets Design, What the Future of Business, and The End of Business as Usual. His new book, very different, Actually, I was surprised with the theme and the depth and the personal nature of his new book, Life Scale, How to Live a More Creative, Productive, and Happy Life. Brian tackles the struggle of living in a world rifled with constant digital distraction. We're going to talk about that in the next 20 minutes. With a, lo with a loyal online audience of over 700,000 people, Brian works, uh, makes a sought-after thought leader, and he's helping celebrities such as Oprah, Shaq, Ashton Kutcher, and over 1,000 startups around the world. He is probably one of the best followers on Twitter. I got to say, I probably gained 10,000 followers just writing about his research. At Brian Solis, B-R-I-A-N-S-O-L-I-S. Welcome, Brian, to the Trump TV. I think we just used up all the 20 minutes on that incredible introduction. <laughs> you know, you've done a, a lot. We're done. All right, you've this has been great, Brian. Hey, thanks for being here. <laughs> hey, you know, I, uh, I got to tell you, I'm super, I'm super, uh, I, I don't even know the right word. Humbled is probably the right one. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys are my rock stars, and I admire each of you for so many different reasons. And it's a real, real privilege to be here. Thank you. I just thank, thank you for the time, guys, and and thanks for just letting me be kind of hang out with you all. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for being here as well. You know, it's a Friday. This is our chance to kind of catch up, hear what the leading thought leaders have to say, and uh, we're really excited to have you. Um, I remember back in 1996, uh, moving out here, uh, and your name would keep popping up, right? Uh, you're the master of reinvention, getting ahead of different trends. I mean, in the 90s, it was like, yeah, talk to Brian, man. He's like the ultimate tech PR dude. And I was like, yeah, I got to talk to Brian. He's like the ultimate social guy. And I got to talk to Brian. He's like the ultimate digital futurist. And you've written multiple books in each one of those journeys to talk about these larger macro trends, right? And now you're taking on this thing on life skills. So what inspired you to write about the growing imbalance in our lives? And, and I'm a walking example of that. So, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so our time is limited and I'll, and we're friends 
I'll just I'll just cut right to it. I I've been tracking all this stuff, you know, like you for many 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 years, and I I hit a wall, uh, and that wall was failing to write what what would have been my eighth book uh, because I couldn't get past the proposal stage, uh, and I was getting all kinds of edits of things that were clear clear signs that my depth was compromised, my creativity was compromised. Uh, it, I, it was unfamiliar. Uh, and I also started to just kind of get frustrated with the whole process. And months into just writing the proposal, I gave up. I've never given up like that. And I just, uh, I just walked away from it. And then I really started to soul search and, and look at, you know, what else is happening in my world uh, that that I need to think about. And, you know, the more I looked around, I started to see that, you know, edits across the board were pretty similar around reports or articles. Uh, I mean, just to be even more honest, I mean, my relationships probably weren't in the best place across the, you know, across my family and, and my friends and, and other loved ones. Uh, and it was because I just got caught up in the flow of, of busy and taking on too much. And the more you take on, the more you think you can do. And I spent about a year after that, not only soul searching, but trying to find answers because I still had to write a book. <laughs> it still, still, still had to do it. I mean, it's, part, it's part of the job. Uh, and I I uncovered, and thanks to a lot of our mutual friends that we have in the Valley, I was able to uncover a lot of the secrets that uh, go into the design of a lot of the devices and the apps that we use. And then continued to go down that route and really, really started to unravel what it does to our brains and our bodies, uh, chemically, emotionally, uh, intellectually. And then once I, once I had all of that information, I still needed to write a book. <laughs> I needed an answer and long story short, the answers that are out there, the research that is public, it's really limited and it's super, I guess the, the, the right answer is superficial. Uh, you're not getting to the root of the problems and I needed the solution. So I decided to go on another, a year after that, another journey to figure out how to fix everything. Uh, and that's life scale. And, wow. this and this isn't something you can Google. I mean, you had to, you identify uh, patterns and potential uh, problems but ultimately, you're writing about solutions. So first of all, why is this so hard for us to, uh, to, to stay focused? What are the, uh, all, the, all the source of distraction? I mean, certainly um, us three probably have, I would say, <laughs> probably four five <laughs> internet-connected devices, wearables, and whatever it may be. But, but so we are, yeah, look at Ray. Ray is poster child for your book, by the way. <laughs> we need to do a before and after. Uh, but, why is it tough for us to identify that we're being distracted and, 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 and what are some of the solutions that you uncovered during your, you know, this radical transparency, soul searching journey that you were on? I think the, 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 the number one challenge that I have with this book is how do you sell a book to people who don't know that they're distracted? <laughs> uh, they, and we, you know, I'll throw myself in the we because I'm not, I'm not abandoning technology. I'm just much more mindful in how I use it. Uh, and I, I'm using it with a purpose and a vision now. Uh, I, I, we're, we're, sort of, we're sort of shaped into our relationship with technology because it's just, it's, it's a normal and it's, and it's not an overnight normal. It's, you know, the iPhone's what, 11, 11 years old now? Uh, yep. 
you know, Facebook was 2006, Twitter was what, 2007? You know, these are, th this, is, this has had a long-term effect. What, what I had discovered though is that the more we use these devices, the more we're pushed to keep up with these devices, uh, the more we think we're handling all of these devices and all of our tasks. But it's essentially what's happening is when we talk about multitasking, we're not really doing things all at the same time. We're switching between them and we're using up chemicals and, and, and precious internal resources every time we switch. And we're never really getting to the depths or the flow that we need to in order to be great, be more creative, to be more thorough and thoughtful. So we just get into this, these behaviors of accelerating and keeping up with everything. And again, it just becomes a new normal. You see it everywhere. You, we're constantly consuming other people's feeds and we're, we're kind of living our life through their life. And then over time we start to question, well, gosh, you know, what's my life like? And I'm trying to crunch in a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm crunching in years of, of, uh, of being affected by this stuff into a few minutes, but ultimately I was unhappy and a lot of people are probably unhappy there's, there. I can tell you that there are self-esteem issues there. There's in, in many cases of my research, I, I came across right straight, straight shots all the way to depression. Uh, because what we're talking about is the release of a lot of different chemicals in our body every time we're using these things. And like any substance uh, or opioids or whatever, you know, you want to compare it to your, your body starts to need that your body starts to essentially crave those chemicals and those feelings to continue to operate as normal. And mm. over time you get pushed so far out of center, right? So, so where your center of reference was 11 years ago and where your center of reference is today, it's, it's not unlike, you know, I mean, joking aside, you know, the, the eighties rock stars who were given MTV, uh, you know, everybody was suddenly famous overnight and, no one trained them how to be famous. No one trained us how to be, you know, online and popular. Our parents had this standard for life. They had the standard for success. They had the standard for what happiness was supposed to be. And then boom, we're given these gifts of gods without the wisdom and trying to figure out how to live life without balance, without instruction. And it's bigger and deeper than things like meditation or mindfulness or going on a hike are going to solve. Wow. You, but, but I need my dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphin hit now, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, but uh, anyway, no. Hey, but, but, but here, here's the big question, though. How do, you, how do you stop that procrastination that's happening as well, right? Because it is causing people to slow down and, and not get stuff done, right? By not getting the hit or by not getting the next message, by, right? I mean, how do we get out of that cycle? And I'm probably in it right now. I, I was joking to my team. Like I was, I was on Skype. Uh, I've got Bloomberg on over here. I've got the show that's live. I'm getting texts. You know, it's, 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 it is kind of chaotic at sometimes. I mean, you might be the exception to the rule because, you know, I read your work and it's pretty, it's pretty deep and it's pretty thoughtful. And, and uh, for everyone else uh, who doesn't wear a cape like Ray, uh, they're <laughs> – it's you know, like on average, we get about 200 notifications. And on average, I'm talking about not like the super users that are, you know, like our kids, uh, about 200 notifications a day. And every time you get that notification uh, and if you indulge it, takes you about 23 minutes to get back into the rhythm that you were in before. And wow. so, uh, and then you continue on, on average, if you're, if you're indulging, if you're indulging your phone or email, uh, Slack, uh, you're, you're losing two hours at least every single day of focus. 
Uh, and so this, this is incalculable when it comes up to productivity or, or, or output in terms of, of work. The other thing is, that, is, is the emotional side of procrastination uh, or just indulging the notifications because it, 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 it fools us into believing that we matter in those moments. Uh, and so then we start to crave more and more of that. Uh, and then, of course, the systems, you know, they, the attention is the commodity that they buy and sell. And so the more of our attention that they have, the more, the more they can monetize it. So the, the persuasive design techniques, the variable intermittent rewards that they use into all of these things make us share and consume of which then your body and your mind is sort of responding and keeping up with all of this stuff until you're unhealthy and until you're unwell. And a lot of us actually probably are, are, are probably could use some help. And I'll tell you, the, the answer was resetting that center of reference and connecting back to happiness through aspirations and vision of which I think could be expressed through creativity, like true creativity, not filters on Instagram. Uh, and understanding that this is a human journey of which technology can be an enabler, but really what we have to do is kind of connect with ourselves back internally. Like, who are we? Who have we become? Who do we want to become? Uh, and how do we get there? And so the, the book isn't really so much about digital and its disruption to, to us. It's about how to just get back to where we were in order to figure out where we need to go. And essentially it's become what I hope is an operating manual for life today in times where analog standards and values are not going to guide us to where we need to go. Right, right. Wow. So Brian, do you think in this uh, hyper-connected knowledge sharing economy, uh, one way for folks like myself who struggle with imposter syndrome um, is to just curate content, create content, and try to show some level of relevance, but over time, we have this blind spot that says you're not at your best or optimal flow state in terms of being creative, in terms of deeply thinking about problems or potential solutions and opportunities. So in your journey, did you find ways where folks can center themselves in order to better address imposter syndrome? That's a pretty deep question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, and look, I, 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 love, I love this. I don't, know, I don't know that anybody believes that they're suffering from imposter syndrome because every aspect of social tells you that you're the most important person in the world. Every part of your devices, I call it accidental narcissism. I mean, you, know, you, get, you get put into these positions where you actually do believe that the whole world revolves around. Uh, that, uh, if, for example, um, if you put a pair of wings behind me, I can promise you I'm going to take a picture with them for Instagram. And that is, and I would swear that those wings were put there just for me. Uh, but what happens when you have an entire stream of everybody doing the exact same thing, right? So I think why creativity became so important to me personally is because there's a link between creativity and happiness. And the more you explore creativity, even little C creativity, I'm not talking about big C, Van Gogh, you know, Mozart creativity, but even just the, the acts or the expressions of little creativity every single day, fire your 
brain in ways that are actually counter to the way that they're being rewired through our devices. But also you start to express originality and individuality, right? Because ideas and creativity are essentially those that bring value to you or those around you or to the world at large. And in an era of AI and machine learning and the filters and the fact that anyone looks amazing online or Facetune where everybody could be young and whatever, <laughs> look however you want. We need, we need to get back to individuality and creativity and the arts and all of those things that, 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 that is something that we're taking away from ourselves. Uh, and so that we get this idea that I would be happy if, I know I would be happier if I was that person or if I had these things, uh, I would be happier if I was getting, as Ray was talking about, all those hits uh, in terms of dopamine and oxytocin, and et cetera. The truth is, is that happiness is inside of us right now. I just ignored it. Uh, and I also got so caught up in these cycles that I was actually adding to the unhappiness. I was adding to the problem without realizing it. And I was becoming an imposter without realizing it. And trying to keep up with that race is, it's not only exhausting, it's actually very, it's, it's very damaging. Uh, so to answer your question, even just the acts of curation, right? Mm. Uh, you're learning, you're seeing, as long as you're letting it sink in uh, and not just trying to feed your audiences uh, like a lot of people are doing and then you get caught up in the interactions of likes and followers and comments and, and reach and impressions. I think if you can allow yourself to be in that moment, uh, whatever that moment is, whether it's physical or whether it's digital, uh, those are learning moments. Those are true experiences that last, that not like Snapchat that disappear or ephemeral. These are the character defining experiences that add the creativity and individuality. And I, I don't think that we even allow ourselves to be present at all, really. And it's not just the devices. Just think about the fact that the devices are doing all of these things to us. You can't even sit still. You can't even sit quietly. You know, one of the things that I found when I was trying to write was uh, early in the book, I sort of teach you these little productivity hacks so that you can focus longer and longer and longer so that you could get to the deep stuff in the book. And one of the little tricks was the Pomodoro technique or the, the vinyl technique, because each, each, each one asks you to focus for about 25 minutes. The first time I tried it, and I kept a log. First time I tried it, I got to three minutes. And I reached for my phone without even thinking about it. And there wasn't, I didn't even get a ping or a notification. It was just hardwired into my system to reach You're for the phone. Yeah, nice. totally. Okay. Uh, so you have to train yourself. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love your honesty, man. I love it. And I'm going to tell you something. My sense is with this book, people are going to keep coming to you asking for coaching advice. So yeah. if you think this book is one and done, I think you're going to, and I hope you, and I, you probably don't, but I just feel like this coaching and this journey that we all want to be on, you're going to get a lot of folks that are going to want to constantly hear from you in terms of advice, how to get to the solution. And that's why I think your book is going to be no doubt a bestseller. I hope yeah. so. I hope so. Thank you for that. Uh, to, to tell everybody who's listening and also you guys, uh, there, right now I'm in the process of developing uh, LifeScale materials with the help of some really good friends, uh, LifeScale for university, uh, LifeScale mm -hmm. for high school and middle school, and then also uh, LifeScale for life coaches. Awesome. And I was going to talk about the kid aspect and we got about 30 seconds for that, but, but how does this change the way you look at your children and what they need to do to succeed? Because going through that transformation is hard on your own, but then being able to pass it on to the next generation is, is, is invaluable. I'll tell you real quick, I studied uh, 
the effects of Instagram and Snapchat and, and TikTok, et cetera, on uh, women uh, and their definition of beauty, uh, also their relationship with themselves, awareness, self-esteem. And I interviewed women from 61 to age six. And I will tell you that I was devastated. Uh, it was a very dark, very dark research project. Uh, and I learned a lot. And so it inspired me also to life scale. A lot of that it was, it was for my daughters uh, to help reshape their relationships with technology before it becomes a problem. Uh, and that, that has, that's already begun. Uh, and so I know that we're running out of time, but I'll tell you the one wearable I wear is this. I don't know if you can see that, but it says life scale. And I wear it as a reminder of the fact that the journey is never over uh, and that I always will have work to do. Uh, and we're not, we're not done being distracted, right? So uh, the more mindful, the more present I am, I think the more the people that matter to me are going to see that and the better my relationships will be. We are here with master transformationalist, author, multi-author, Brian Solis, principal analyst at Altimeter and author of Lifescale. Get the book. Uh, get your life back into order, and of course, uh, look for some of the, the training band. materials and get the band. <laughs> the, damn, I don't have a band to show. But, but hey, thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy your uh, vacation. So take care. Thank, Thank you. You. Uh, you can follow Thank him at you. Brian Solis on Twitter. He is one of the best followers on Twitter, hands down, and he's a great thought leader. He's also generous. You know, it's a, he's you know, it's good karma guy, and uh, we all learn a lot, a lot from him. And uh, but this book is different. This is not a. This is not the tech book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and it's funny because like I, we both moved to the Valley at the same time in 96. We we're just talking about that yesterday and uh, doing some reflection. But hey, who do we have next year? This is a great segue to perhaps continue the conversation. It's our privilege to have Lorna Bornstein, founder and CEO of Grokker, as our next guest. Uh, prior to founding Grokker, Lorna was president of publicly traded companies Move uh, Inc., uh, Grokker engages employees and motivates individuals towards better health. This is uh, delivering holistic solutions, over 4,000 exercises, mindfulness, nutrition, sleep videos that can fit into everyone's schedule. Also a supportive community of experts and e easy to use uh, and implement patented programs, which we're going to learn from. Uh, Lorna held a number of executive positions at Yahoo, including chief of global personnel and head of marketing for their multi-billion dollar worldwide search and marketplace businesses. Uh, she entered, uh, entered the internet back in 2000 when she was, you know, 10 uh, and launched eBay Canada uh, and went to serve as eBay's vice president and general manager. You can follow her work on Twitter at L-B-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Well, welcome, Lorna, to Disrupt TV. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> Great to have you. Hey, thanks for being on the show. Um, I remember, what's that tagline? Uh, sweat it out, de-stress, or just relax with the video, if I remember what it is. But tell people what Grokker is all about. So Grokker is like the most surprising thing to me. I came out of retirement to start this company seven years ago, right? Like, I had busted my butt for 20 years in tech. I was at HP, very early eBay, Yahoo. I ran a public company. I'm like, whoosh, I'm checking out. I have three kids, and by some miracle, the same husband. And I'm gonna, you know, figure out how to live like the next 30, 40 years, probably better than the last 30, 40 years. Uh, and during this time off, I ended up taking the kids out of school for one to three months at a time. We picked somewhere in the world to travel to, and I would homeschool them. No babysitter, no nanny, right? Me, the kids, and my husband flying in every two weeks. Uh, guess what you cannot do when you don't have anyone helping you? 
anything. You cannot work out. You cannot meditate. You can't practice yoga. You can't even cook. Uh, and so I was super frustrated. I had my first generation iPad and I thought, okay, I'm going to find long form expert led premium video. And I'm going to do what I need to do right here in my hotel room. And all I could find was crap on YouTube. I couldn't find what I wanted. Um, and so I started a company to help people with this problem that I had. And uh, as it turns out, we started off direct to consumer and about, gosh, four years ago now, companies, enterprises level companies started calling us and asking us if they could purchase Grokker as an employee benefit to help their whole population. Um, and so essentially when you think about Grokker today, if you have an enterprise company with a diverse, a dispersed workforce, then Grokker is the on-demand well-being solution that your employees are actually gonna love. That's amazing. So our first guest, Brian Solis, talked about you know, not knowing the impact of distractions in our life. How about just the understanding of the different sources of stress in our life? Why is this important to you in terms of just highlighting the fact that we may have blind spots to these different things that happen throughout the day, week, month that distract us and also stress us and, not, and, and prevent us from you know, delivering our, our, our best output? I mean, that is the most important question. So thank you for asking it. And if you just look at statistically, right, 85% of disease is nothing that is genetic um, or you know, remotely inherited. It's actually created by lifestyle factors, behavioral, environmental. And stress, which is now an epidemic, not just in this country, you're seeing it spread everywhere, um, is incredibly poignant, relevant, it's the first time I think in modern culture that you can talk about it without being completely stigmatized by it. And the causes of the stress are there, they vary. If you look at the US population, 40% of Americans are one paycheck away from homelessness. So think about the financial stress that people are on. Then you think about whether it's a millennial or a boomer or a Gen Xer, right? You have this issue with aging parents need to take care of. Millennials, only 30% of millennials are going to make as much money as their parents did. So financial uh, success is not something that they can aspire to. That causes stress. There's all of these areas, and I actually think people are aware that they're stressed. What they're struggling with is no one is helping me, and no one is helping me in a way that can fit into my life. And I really think that's why, uh, at least for Grokker, and there are lots of terrific solutions out there, why we're doing well, it's timing. We've come in at a moment, you know, I remember seven years ago, it actually came up with the idea for Grokker. We were, I, I don't know exactly where you are right now, Vala, but it looks like you might be in Hawaii. Um, we, were, <laughs> uh, we were coming back from Asia and I rented a condo in Maui. And that was when the idea like, you know, came to me. And I thought, oh my gosh, right? How can we help masses of people as opposed to this just be for me? And the key was, it couldn't be old fashioned, one size fits all. We need to embrace um, the opposite, a little bit of what Brian was saying. You actually need to embrace technology in order to give people what they want, when they want it, how they want it, and for the micro amounts of time. So what I was seeing back then was, there's gonna be this proliferation of smartphones, tablets, connected TVs, 
an increased consumption of video, not a decrease. People were talking back then about the death of television. No, we watch more of it, we don't call it TV. And how do I connect with you in a way that works for you in your life? Um, so there's a very long answer to a short question. <laughs> hey, no, this is really important, right? And, and some of that topic relates to this concept of what's the difference between wellness and well-being, because those are two different things and we often confuse them. And then we also confuse them when we think about our balance uh, in, in terms of our life. Ray, you are a wise man. So <laughs> succinctly put, <laughs> wellness is merely the physical absence of illness in the body, illness or disease in the body. That's wellness. So it's basically a point in time um, statistic, if you will, a metric that says, do you or don't you have physical wellness right now? Well-being is so much broader, right? Well-being encompasses emotional, social connectedness, financial well-being, it, it's, and physical well-being um, as well. It encompasses all of that. So if you think about you know, the word holistic, which is a little bit overused, but really this is about holistically, are you well? Because if you are struggling with repaying student loans, I may be you know, going to CrossFit, or I'm at full cycle, awesome, but I'm a wreck because I'm really worried about student loan repayment. So how do you help me holistically? That's well-being as opposed to wellness. Um, and if you look at the evolution now, and this is one area I actually think that, um, you know, video in particular is very helpful to people. Small, teeny micro doses of well-being content can actually help you take very small steps toward a much health, healthier and happier you. So it's not like the old days where I have to watch, a, I don't know, a Jane Fonda video or I have to go to a class, right? Like I have five minutes right now in carpool line or I have six minutes right now waiting at Pete's or Phil's or whoever you're, Dunkin' Donuts, whoever you're, you're sitting there waiting, right? Like, geez, I should have done, ordered on the app. That's found time. Give me something that's going to help me with well-being when I can just sneak it in. Um, so that's sort of the modern approach and the positive side to what we can do. Very cool. Very cool. Well, in my experience, uh, having the privilege of managing large organizations, uh, the truth is that happy employees solve harder problems. Um, and uh, so I suspect that, uh, and I also believe that to achieve balance, you need work-life integration. Um, you, you, you know, work is not a place, it's a result. So you can telecommute, you can be mobile, you can, you're not tethered to a desk or, or an office. So I suspect that uh, CHRO, Chief Human Resource Officers, are talking to you and your company and interested in perhaps uh, work benefits where they have their employees, well, their stakeholders, customers, employees, partners, can have those micro moments of uh, well-being um, insights delivered to them. Is, is this something that you see more in terms of companies embracing, uh, you know, not just individuals taking a nap or playing ping pong or having, you know, laundry service and so on and so forth, but continuously following a journey where you can, in a meaningful way, give employees an opportunity to, to maintain a, a, a well-being state of mind? So this is, this is exactly why our enterprise business it has been really growing very, yeah, very significant. I mean, you know, we now have clients that range from Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 500 companies, like very big clients. Um, we were just actually uh, out in Atlanta yesterday. We're launching Delta Airlines, like very big companies. 
uh, that work with us. Aetna has been a client of ours for many years. Um, eBay, my alma mater, uh, has been a client for many years. And then you have not so sexy, you know, companies, manufacturing clients who have frontline employees. And so the CHRO basically is looking at the employees and saying, okay, I have a real problem with absenteeism and another term called presenteeism, which folks may be aware of. It's you physically show up, but you're very distracted. You're just not productive. And, and by the way, we all have those days, yeah. no matter how much we think like we have our shit together, we all have those days. <laughs> and so how do you recognize that your employees are going to have that and give them something that's going to actually help them? And there's a few keys to what the CHROs are looking for and um, you know what we're delivering. The first thing that they're looking for is my people are very different. They're globally disparate. They're very diverse. Right. So the, the old approach of, you know, it's almost like training videos, right? If you just have one training video for everybody, what? No. So they need a very wide variety of content. And we actually have a patent on how we film video and connect it to community. Because remember, we started off as a consumer company. And so this is like consumer grade weaponry now being used in the enterprise. So one, we have over 3,700 premium expert-led videos on all those topics that you mentioned. By the way, this year, sleep is the new kale. Everybody needs yeah. sleep content. It's the, last year was financial well-being, this year it's sleep. So the first thing is lots of content for different people, um, their tastes, their levels, the times that they have to do it. You know, what you want is probably different from what I want. The second thing that the CHROs want is you have to deliver this in a way um, that is very accessible for my people. Not everyone has a laptop. Not everyone, you know, so, okay, let's make it available. Everyone has a smartphone these days. How about connected TVs for all the cord cutters? Hmm. And don't leave it to the employee to be self-motivated, because frankly, they're not. So we build in calendaring, reminders, lots of gamification. Yeah. Um, you know, the first engineer that joined me here at Crocker was a gamer. Uh, and so it was all about how do you build gamification into the product to make it so delightful for you to come back and to do something and get rewarded. And there's incentives and you earn points and you get to different levels, but it's all about well-being. Third thing that they uh, really insist upon, they need community. People don't want to feel so alone, even though they are so alone. And so we have this Grokker, global Grokker community. You can ask any expert a question, get an answer, talk to colleagues around the world or even in a cube next to you, but very much not feeling alone culturally, we're in it together. So it's the, that's what the workforce is needing as we make this shift from more passive, sort of lean back content to even in the wellness space, well-being space of how do I interact with you and, uh, and make it meaningful to my life. Wow, no, that's, that's, that's deep. You know, the, um, hey, congratulations, too. I want to say, hey, you're on the uh, list of uh, top HR tech influencers. Um, so one of the top 100. We have the next one on as well. Holger's on that list. He's going to be our next guest. But, hey, I want to talk a little bit about the tech that's behind this, right? You've got some interesting things going on. I mean, it sounds like, you know, gamification's in place. Uh, but it sounds like there's recommendation engines and AI and machine learning and video tech uh, that makes this all possible in order to scale. So, so what's, what's, yeah. what's behind all this? So the first thing I'll say is, um, I don't, most people don't really understand what AI is, um, and so, and frankly, there's very little AI in what we do. There's machine learning, there are some great algorithms, there is collaborative filtering, but it, it's not 
AI. A lot of people use that term. I think that people don't understand the difference, um, but the way that our tech stack is, works is essentially we start with personalization. So through, um, you know, like the concept of progressive disclosure, for us it's yep. actually progressive learning. So we have a smart engine, and as you use Grokker, the more videos you watch, we look at your um, what videos you watch, percentage completion rates, what you've watched again, what you take a social action on. We have something called an I did this, where when you complete it, you know, you claim your chest thump and you get your star explosion, but that counts towards sort of your, um, your leveling. So we look at all of that data, search queries, um, and put that together, and then we can do both through collaborative filtering and some machine learning some very smart recommendations. So over time, you do not see anything that's not relevant to you. Um, and increasingly, what we're seeing is cross-device utilization. So being able to make sure that, that, you know, watching what are you doing on an iOS device versus an Android device, are you then doing it also on a laptop or a connected TV, and um, having the right recommendations based also upon how you're accessing the platform. That, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I imagine at some point, you know, whether it's your Fitbit or your Apple Watch, monitoring your, how long you're sitting, how much you've walked, and then perhaps even delivering you content that suggests you should be doing something else to, to stay healthy. And, 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 uh, and, and so it, this cross-device uh, uh, correlation and analysis, I think, is, is, is something that will be part of that mass personalization that the, that the, that the engine and it, and it already is. We already integrate with all of those wearables oh, so that that's you're getting. Yeah, and the thing that's important also, people want credit. They want validation. And so this fiction that my workout self is very different from my, let's say, eating self right, right. or my mindfulness self, that's not true. I'm one self. So I want one comprehensive scoring system to let me know how I'm doing along all these dimensions. We actually have something um, which is really fun. We have a wellness quiz. So you take this quiz. I, I, one of the businesses I used to run, when I worked at Yahoo, I ran the global online dating business, Yahoo Personal. Very fun business. My mother thought I'd find my sister husband. She found her own. Anyway, um, so what we did is we had this quiz that would give you your personality profile, your dating personality profile, and let you know what things you needed to watch out for, what things would work for you, and you know, basically advice on how to find a mate based upon you. We've created that actually for well-being. So you take your well-being quiz, and we give you a comprehensive score, a composite score, but we also give you a score along four different dimensions of well-being, activity, nutrition, sleep, and stress. And you can see at that moment in time how you're doing, where do you need help, and then we recommend a specific program for you to follow, which would be a one to six week video-based program with ancillary you know, workbooks and things to help you through it, to help you make little changes in your life that will hopefully lead to less stress, better nutrition, whatever your thing is. And then when you take the quiz again in a few months, you're a different person then, get you a different program. Very cool. I think wow. Ray and I would fail the sleeping test. Uh, I think so too, but, uh, but I think we'd benefit from your, what you recently launched, the daily workout. Talk a little bit about that. That's pretty cool. Okay, so that's great. So another example is that there's, you have to take away the excuses, right? You've got 10% of the population that will always get up at 6 a.m. and go do their workout. The other 90%, we have very good intentions. We're not so good with the follow-through. Yes, right? I'm choosing between sleep and workout. I'm going to pick sleep. 
So what we try to do is um, increasingly launch features that enable you to um, sneak in things that are good for you during the day. So now we launch the daily workout. Every single day, we will send it to you. Nothing you need to do. It's generally um, basically five moves, three reps. It's an animated GIF that'll come on your phone via notification or on mobile web and basically tell you no equipment needed wherever you are. You don't even need like workout clothes. Here wow. you go. Just follow this now. It's so easy. It's, and you also get the star explosion when you're done and you get the feeling of I'm on a streak. We have a, a concept of streaks. So every day you do activity in any of the categories yep. that counts. Don't break your streak. Live like a snap streak but with well-being. <laughs> we are here with Lorna Bornstein. You can catch her at L-B-O-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. She's the founder and CEO at Grokker. She's actually changing lives one video, one moment at a time. So, hey, thanks a lot for being on the show and hope to catch you in San Jose. Thank you, Lorna. You're you welcome. Too. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Wow. We are hacking That's life <laughs> at life. one rock at a time here. It's pretty That's wild. Awesome. So, That's awesome. uh, yeah, we, we're going to bring on our next guest who's a soul cycle champion. Uh, no, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> we should put that into his bio when he pops on. That's uh, awesome. But, uh, oh, look at this. Oh, no. What city is he in now? So I'm, I'm not a soul cycle champion. <laughs> I'm a soul cycle refugee when I can't bring my Peloton on a trip because somehow some of the vendors are not paying for me to package one, right? I should have two, one at the different locations, say one at a time. But yeah, soul cycle is a good alternative, but there's many other brands like, oh my God, cross, cross cycle. Like I can give everybody the best recommendation for doing a, a cycling class. So, so who do we have here today? <laughs> Don't do the intro. Don't do the intro. We lose another two minutes. You did this wrong with Brian already. I have to say, this is the most stressful <laughs> disrupt TV. You know, as I'm trying to go live, this machine here, you know, somehow if Microsoft and HP are listening, can you please not override the audio writers in the Windows update before Disrupt TV? I mean, that would be something, right? Then you're Brian about taking a break and not doing something, and Lorna about wellness, and I'm running back and forward trying to get this machine to run. I probably gave Aubrey, is Aubrey fine? She probably got a heart attack because this backup machine I didn't have on power. So while I was moving over to my studio room here, I lost again. I wasn't on Disrupt TV. You guys might have noticed while you were talking. I did notice. So, I was getting worried. Uh, Aubrey is fine, right? But no, one I made the, it. And I didn't most, have gray hair. I would have more gray hair right now, but hey, it's not. One of the most tech savvy people we'll ever have on the show. <laughs> we, but we have to turn this around, Vala, because, because of being challenged. I need to hear from you how your first India trip went. Okay, before I do anything, I'm going to at least have two-sentence intro. And check out the background, Bala. We have Olga Mueller, <laughs> Vice President, Principal Analyst at Constellation Research, and a fantastic follow on Twitter at Holger M-U, H-O-L-G-E-R-M-U. Welcome, okay, Holger. Enough, enough. <laughs> how, about, how was your India trip? Well, thanks to you and all the brilliant advice you gave me, because I had no idea that you, India is your second home. <laughs> and so I had advice on where to go, what to eat. So I went to NASCOM conference in Mumbai. It was, I've, I've never been treated better anywhere than, than India. Uh, the folks at NASCOM, which is one of the most influential technology conference in India, um, with businessmen and women that essentially, you know, run the tech economy in India and abroad. We're all there, uh, thousands of individuals, um, and it was an amazing time. I, I, was, I got a ride in an autonomous car. I saw conversational CRM in action. I saw 
machine learning and race cars and sensors and uh, technology. So India will have the second largest economy uh, in the world by 2030, only behind China. And every second, three people in India connect to the internet for the first time ever, which means in the next six years, there'll be 1 billion unique individuals connected to the internet from India. So, and that's a $5.7 trillion consumer spending power that will come from India. So any business in the world, you should not ignore India because the people are amazing, the food's amazing, and the tech growth is um, exponential. So it's, it's had a fantastic time. It's Thanks. an amazing place. My only reference, Ray is more in India than me. He's probably gone twice while you have been and I have been. But uh, my, my only claim to fame is I've been going to India every year since most of half of my life. So and I'm pretty young, right, as you can see. And, <laughs> and the other thing we have to do first is, right, um, because we always cut the sports short, right? So, Bala, is your team <laughs> in the I'll tell you, KD had 27 points in the first half yesterday. Yeah. And uh, the game was over by halfway through the third quarter. Um, so that's, you know, I think, I think uh, Golden State woke up. But my Celtics are 2-0 so far, and uh, they're two away from playing. What I would like the NBA to do is in the, in the, the normal conference finals, there's going to be semifinals, so the two West teams can play the real NBA final. Because there's another second-degree league, right? I mean, I mean, I'm a Golden State Warriors fan since 96, first time I was in the Bay Area, right? So, and they were horrible back then, right? So, so it's not like I'm jumping on the bank. No, back. no, you're not. You're not. But now you're going right. to pretend you have, I would say, 75% chance to see a 3 peak. So, so you, you, got, you, got, you got the Rockets might give you a run. And, but other than that, I don't see anybody. And, uh, As it looks right now, yes. Hopefully you'll see the Celtics. Uh, I would love to bet a New England lobster dinner on a, on a Celtics Warriors uh, final. Okay, if, if, nice. if, I, I will pay if the, if the Celtics make it to the finals, okay? <laughs> wow. Oh. If, 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 if the Warriors win, you pay, Vala, okay? You got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. So we're going to talk about the California wildflower boom, right? This is amazing. This is a picture I took myself. <laughs> You wonder what three times more rain and water than usual can do to a state. I mean, you go to this place where the park service tells you go there on this day, go there on this day, and it's still amazing, right? And and then all of a sudden you don't know where to take pictures anymore because the wildflowers are everywhere, right? So that's amazing. Maybe we can talk about enterprise acceleration as a theme. (laughs) Way way too boring topic, right? So. Part of my stress is I hope uh, Evan Juan, the, the founder of Zoom, is listening, right? My biggest problem is the preview screen to change the green screen is too small. I can't see this in my ah. window, right? So maybe I can uh, see the live they, they just had a successful IPO. So yeah, I know. Congratulations, congratulations <laughs> to the billionaire. But this is too small for my eyes to see what's on my slide, right? And how, how I'm going to fit this, right? So we can't talk about enterprise acceleration. <laughs> But I tell you, we were early adopters of Zoom. We actually went to a paid platform from a free platform uh, two years ago. And uh, little did Ray and I know that Disrupt TV was going to be the seed that helped Zoom grow. (laughs) Well, okay, that's a great story, right? That's great storytelling. But but, but Ray is being nervous to start talking about about Zoom because I think technically it's it's, it's a total nightmare. But that's that's a whole (laughs) disruption. I don't think no, uh, I like it. 
But my you next right after, after Apple, right? But but my but my next call after this is with a large software vendor, um, general manager who's 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 asking me about why I like Zoom so much versus the other product that she has. <laughs> so okay, okay. Just, uh, we, we, we can talk about that. Right? Zoom, let's Zoom talk about this, right? I mean, Zoom, Zoom is a great example. Rules. Right, so a great example saying, of enterprise acceleration. So enterprise acceleration. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the IT angle, right? I have two research areas or the HR angle, right? The IT angle is newer, right? And because I always bring props, what props gonna come for the loyal viewer? Oh yeah. <laughs> the first prop. Right, the first, first prop, prop in the history. 145 episodes, 350 yeah. guests, and we you're the first person, maybe the only person that has a prop. <laughs> I had live animals on the show, if you remember, but uh, today in production, <laughs> we didn't make it. So I have to stop with everybody hopefully knows the Hadoop big elephant, right? So one key thing is, right, if I need to accelerate as a company, we know everybody has to move faster. Lucky for Brian to take a break. Nice for Lorna to make people more mindful, me aware to take breaks, but everybody has to move faster. And the no-brainer is, right, if I look at the companies who understand people, good, scary, bad way, they're the ones who have mastered the big data capabilities to store all the electronic information which is out there, including the exhaust, right, which nobody thinks is important. But it could be, right? One man's trash could be one man's gold at some point in this life. So, so enabling a big data capability in enterprise is, is task one, right? So that, that's what you definitely have to do as a part. And the next, next recommendation to not spend too much time is that you have to be ready to build new software, right? The, mm -hmm. You live in the era of business process uncertainty nobody knows how to build software right now, right? What is the best practice? How to run finance, how to run HR, how to run CRM, how to run procurement right now? They're sitting on this new capability of infinite computing coming from the cloud, infinite storage, fast networking, very cheap compute, running deep learning networks on top of that. So the best practices are not defined. So I have to be ready to build software myself. Every company is becoming a software company. You uh, take the best notes in terms of conference recaps because you give the recap. Well, you give a high-level summary, then you give the comprehensive recap, and then you have a stream of tweets that validate all of the points. And from your just your April logs, you've been, you've been going to lots of conferences. What's the overarching theme? What are people saying trying to excite their audience? Is there something that's common with these various companies that are all tech companies, obviously, and mostly all software companies, or, all, or they're all software companies. What are they? What are they? What are they? What are they? What are they talking about? What are they demonstrating? How are they captivating the audience? Well, let's let's switch to the HR side, right? The HR side is kind of like trapped about the fear of millennials finally has been overcome, right? There's nothing to be afraid about millennials. There's always new workforces entering the workplace, right? And the millennials are not different. Every workforce entering every generation has been different, right? You just have to look back to your parents and see if they still have the fax machine, which we do not have, but they're not turning it <laughs> off, right? So every generation comes with different ways of technology, right? Uh, think like 10 generations back between 1890, people born in 1890, and people coming in um, in, in 1930, they had a car, right? How different math doesn't make your commute to work, right? So technology is progressing. Every generation learns new about technology. So luckily, that's behind us. The next big myth is uh, engagement, right? So uh, engagement, of course, important engagement, right? So, so I can't hear these discussions on engagements anymore because it was called motivation. 
right? So, so yes, I need to motivate my team. If I lead people, I need to have the tools to motivate my team. I need to go to my boss and say, we have to do these and these things, right? This is why they're not motivated. But, but, but engagement by making a check on a smiley face and not a smiley face, it's not going to make a difference, right? The TSA people are not going to be more motivated if I do more smiley buttons after the polling station afterwards, mm -hmm. right? And this is part of our frenzy right now, coming back to the IT side, that we think, we don't know how this, let's do a survey, right? We're all dying in survey information, right? We, there's, there's survey fatigue or survey death, right? How many surveys could you do a day, 10, 10 20? And the biggest problem is you don't know what's gonna happen. But if I could see yeah. my contribution as an employee, uh, what my survey really has done, if that connection, no, that connection cannot be there because the, the transactional data is there where we see, oh, we have a problem. Let's do a survey to find out. And then you have to glue this manual together. And back to enterprise acceleration, you have to be able to bring these things continuously together, right? The surveys have to be started automatically when you see something is going wrong in sales with your customers, with, with your product quality and so on. Not for someone saying, hmm, let's do a survey. Let's wait for another month until that comes out, right? So that shouldn't be happening. That's, that's the HR side, right? On the technology side, obviously, the big, big thing is um, uh, hybrid. Did you hear me? <laughs> I don't want to say it here on the show, right? So, so I call it the next generation computing platform, right? Because we have to make up things newly, right? And call things differently. And the next generation computing platform here, the trends are too small, right? I have them here, but I can't read them. So you probably can't read them either. So I can't do much about that, right? So otherwise it comes so close now. It's not going to get waiting now. So, but but the, the background to this is basically that on-premise is back. Right, and all the technology conference, right? Kubernetes, interesting enough, mm -hmm. originally coming from Google, a way for Google to only run the cloud because they run only in the cloud, having been basically imposed, right? We've never seen this. There's always been technology rivalries, but for the first time we see that a standard coming from one of these and push for open source, maybe you get to open source, has de facto forced all the competition, AWS, um, uh, Microsoft Azure, IBM, Oracle, everybody to support Kubernetes as a container platform. And this is beautiful for enterprises because it means for the first time I can transport load between different clouds and becomes a new thing, of course, you can bring it on premise, right? And this is what Google announced last week with Anthos, right? Here's the, the Greek exercise thing. What does Anthos mean? Quickly, Google. No, no don't Google. Anthos, no, no. power, power, right? What a nice name comparison, right? So let the flowers bloom. And, and enterprises need to run things in different clouds. Multi-cloud has been a topic. And they need to run things on-premise. Because why do you run things on-premise? First of all, the internet is super slow, right? Have a data center in your northern hemisphere and employees in New Zealand. Good luck for them to have any good employee experience or customer experience if your customers are there. Right? The speed of light is relative when it comes to internet connections. So performance is local. Next thing is statutory requirements, right? I'm, I'm still baffled like earlier this week, I was in Europe and uh, I wanted to see my San Diego Tribune link, which I get emailed every day. I can't see it because I didn't manage to do GDPR, right? So legal statutory things, over, it's, it's shocking, right? Over 800 uh, newspapers in the US, not the dinky tiny ones, are not visible in Europe anymore because of GDPR, because wow. signed up in the US for their email, but I'm now in Europe and why can't I see my content there, right? Why do I have to start a VPN to see the San Diego Tribune? So bad, bad luck for the San Diego Tribune. Right? But, so statutory reasons, data privacy, data residency are number one. And then of course there's best practices, right? I have this data center, I want to use it. I can't convert it into a gym yet. Uh, this might come down the road, right? Central location, great air conditioning, right? Um, I have a slides in my presentations. What do you do with a data center? We make a gym out of it, corporate gym, right? 
great, great practice. But you have that and it's existing best yeah. practice, right? So being able to move load between clouds and on-premises, that's the hot thing at the tech conferences, right? And Kubernetes makes it possible. Everybody had to endorse it. Next week, I'm mean, in Seattle. I'll have to see what Docker guys with the whale are still around, right? They had all this, right? Docker, interesting enough, was the previous container platform till they got bulldozed or steamrolled over by Kubernetes, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right, so the cloud isn't dead. People are moving on-premises. Uh, you know, Anthos is uh, sorry, this is an interesting thing, right? It's cloud technology coming to on premise, right? Yeah, With the yeah. exception of Oracle, where maybe you, they brought their technology from on premise to the cloud, right? But it's, it's a two way street, right? <laughs> Azure, Azure Stack at Microsoft is brought as a cloud stack to on premise and sized down. GKE on prem uh, coming out of Anthos now at Google is cloud technology being sized down to run on premises, right? So, very yeah. interesting switch in the way how things have been built. Yeah, we're seeing a reversal of that and then what's happening. All right, let's take on a bigger topic. Uh, what's going on in this quantum computing world? People yeah. are like kind of talking about it, but not talking about it in a very quantum way. Well, it's, it's been, been overhyped, right? So no question about this. Um, interesting enough, but, but very interesting that for instance, like over two years ago, Microsoft gives you a development tool to build a software for a platform which doesn't even run. Right now we're all waiting for uh, quantum superiority to show that quantum can really run better than traditional computers. Uh, the question is, is going to be Google, it's going to be IBM, it's going to be Microsoft, it's one of the startups being there. So, so it's really interesting. But in the meantime, because it's taking so long, new hardware parts come on, right? There's, there's no endorsement. I don't even know if it works and how it works. Right? There's this company called IonQ, which is now not using traditional ways how to do quantum computing, but it's trying to, to, to capture quantum ions, right? If you remember ions, polarized particles and so on. And supposedly that's working really, really well. They built their third or fourth computer by now. And they're so much closer to quantum superiority right so uh, we might be even take a step back that a totally different hardware approach might be the solution to quantum computing but the exciting thing is it changes everything right things like simulation encryption right security all thrown out of the window once quantum works and it's probably going to work sooner than we think so okay sooner than you think how many companies do you know how many companies major companies are actively working on um, quantum computing the ones that are under NDA here, so. <laughs> I think serious players, there's roughly two dozens. Yeah. Two dozen, yeah. Close, close to getting it done is a dozen. And seriously, yeah. they are working on quantum core superiority is, is a handful. Because it's yeah. super expensive, you have to build these things. And the interesting thing is it comes out of academia and back to acceleration, right? This is a race, but right. academia is last people you want to have in your team when you have to do a race because no offense to anybody in academia, usually they're not the <laughs> fastest. So they're yeah. taking their time and say, oh, it's fine. We'll build our next computer in 2020, right? So it's, it's a race, right? It's like the race to the moon where there's yeah. no plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. But this trapped yes. ion quantum pieces is a huge big piece, right? I mean, this is yeah. changing the way quantum computing is looking at. It's almost creating the second generation of quantum computing architecture. So. Yeah, yes. or a different path towards it, right? And that's the fascinating mm -hmm. thing. And because there haven't been different paths, right? And in, in the history of IT and technology, there's always been different paths and, and, and being in competition at the same time. We see this kind of like singularity that we talked about Kubernetes and we saw it in quantum computers. Now somebody's taking a different angle at it where people are saying, huh, right? Maybe there's even a third way. Who knows, right? So that's going to create the typical insecurity with new technology because people will have two quantum computers and have different operating systems, right? Does that sound familiar, right? We've all been there, right? Two mainframes with different operating systems or two server two languages, flavors, right? I'm going to go on Windows OS 2. We've all seen that, right? So, so we have to expect that this will be happening, right? No question about it. But yeah, before yeah. the end, right? Here, here is a, a last picture quiz for you guys. 
What is this? <laughs> what is it? It's a no phone. Oh, oh the flip phone is back. Oh, yeah. I just found this as a, as a prop for the show, right? Uh, oh, the like good it. old, what was it? What was it? The Is it razor? Nokia 2000? Yeah. Oh, Motorola. Exactly. Motorola no, no, it's, it's, better than the, it's better than the car and Samsung because you know how often I can hold this here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This oh is my so God. Nice that, God. God. Oh, guys over there. That was, the, that was the DJ Co phone. That was supposed to save DJ Co's career. Yeah, and, right? and it's not working. love to flip things, yeah. right? So, hey. Yeah, but there's also reports from Wall Street Journal and others where folks have tried it to thousands and it hasn't failed. So I don't, I don't know if it's just a handful of in the bad batch or whatever. But CD Insights listed uh, companies working on quantum computing, and yeah, you you, rec you know recognize Microsoft, Google, Intel, IBM's, but British Telecom, Alibaba, Lockheed Martin, interesting set of big companies in different sectors, um, and of course Accenture named four technologies. To, Redefine the post-digital era, and quantum computing was one of the four. When do we, when do we, Holger, see a demonstrable example of quantum computing in use with energy savings and super, power, you know, uh, computing uh, power and efficiency? Well, you're asking for step two, and we haven't taken step one, right? So, mm -hmm. so we're trying to get step one to make it uh, work at least stable enough, which people are far away from. Then, then cost efficiency for the last ro large rollout is going to be important, which we haven't achieved with the quantum superiority. Three years, five years, three years, five years? Uh, I think we're very close. Two, two, three years to see quantum superiority then comes back to economies of scale to build those significantly. Then tons of software has to be built, right? So, yeah. But I think, wow. think in 10 years from now, um, we'll talk about quantum computing as the normal thing to have, right? But it will shake all the vendors. It will shake all the platforms. It will change best practices. And it's all what, what I'm researching, right? Technology for the first time can do more than what best practices demand, right? And this creates disruption capabilities. It creates confusion, fear, uncertainty certainty, angst, whatever you want to say, but massive opportunity for mankind as well. Well, you heard it here first. Three years from now, we will be talking about quantum computing, or maybe we won't. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> you know, thanks for being on the show. We are here with Holger Mueller, Vice President and Principal Analyst at Constellation Research. He looks at next generation IT and HR tech, and also uh, anything to help build software along the way. Thanks for having us. So follow my at Holger Mew. Uh, he's completely taking control of this segment. <laughs> so, hey, great job. Happy Friday, man. And thanks for Thank you, guys. Happy Friday. Thank you, Holger. An amazing co-host as well. He can, he can be a guest and a co-host and, and, and do it all. And, uh, uh, thank, so, so we have an, an amazing uh, uh, show next week. We have one of the you know, pioneer thought leaders, futurists, really talking about the impact of AI, Amy Webb, author, uh, quantitative futurist, and professor at NYU. She had a great presence with you, Ray, at, at Davos this year, talking on the AI ethics panel with Kaifu Lee and others. So he, she's, she's going to be terrific. Uh, Jay Jacobs, senior vice president, head of research and strategy at Global X ETFs. So we've had folks from Global X on the show before, and they've been amazing, give us tremendous insights in terms of, of future investments and markets. And one of my favorite uh, guests, uh, Larry Dignan, editor-in-chief of ZDNet. He is just uh, a radical transparency, and I'm sure he's going to talk about all of the emerging tech, consumer tech, and enterprise technology trends that we want to learn from. So he's a fantastic guest. Uh, Ray, your closing remarks. 
No, I mean, hey, really excited. It's episode 146. You know, catch all the replays, catch all the episodes, suggest authors, let us know. Uh, you can find everything on the Constellation website and follow it on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Um, and thanks for all being on the show. Follow final thoughts on your end? Um, this may be my favorite part of my vacation this week, although I don't, hopefully my family isn't watching. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, life scale, life scale. Come on. Life scale, exactly. Integration, work life integration. I look forward to, I'm going to be in New York. NASCOM has a C-suite leadership event in New York, May 30th. I, I'm giving a couple of keynotes in Canada in the next few weeks. And uh, hopefully I'll be in San Diego uh, third week of May. So hopefully our path will cross in person, Ray. If it's Friday, it's Disrupt TV. Thank you everyone for watching. Great show this week. Amazing show next. Bye everyone. See you, everyone. Happy Friday. <laughs>